I'm Tom Tate, and this is the Power Time Podcast. Here's Johnny. Hey, what's up, Power Players? I'm Tom Tate, your host and guide, and I'm kicking off episode number 10 of the Power Time Podcast. We are taking a journey through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power at a time, and I'm super, super stoked to be with you today because today is the day that we officially step into the 1990s. That's right. This is my absolute favorite decade for gaming. This is the reason why I started the Power Time Podcast in the first place. We have Super Mario World, A Link to the Past, Link's Awakening, Chrono Trigger, Super Metroid, Mario 64, Mario Kart, Ocarina of Time, GoldenEye. The list goes on and on and on. There are so many titles that were released in the 1990s, and I cannot wait uh, to cover as many as possible. These games are the games that made me who I am today. So if you can relate to that, if you resonate with growing up in the 1990s and playing these games and getting your first Nintendo 64 and getting your first Super NES uh, and you remember those stories, uh, stick with me because it's going to be an incredible run of the Power Time podcast and I have such incredible memories you know, playing these titles throughout my life. And we're going to get there, right? We're going to get there one decade at a time. We're going to take it one issue at a time, one page at a time, and it is my pleasure to have you along for the journey. So I do have one quick announcement before we kick things off. I am raising donations for Extra Life. This is an all-day gaming event on November 5th. So all proceeds are going to benefit the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. In in particular, I'm going to be playing for the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. My kids go there, and I actually work minutes away from two of their locations. So it's a great cause, really close to my heart, really close to my family. And I hope you can participate. Even donating as much as $5 uh, really helps me reach my $500 goal. I'm currently about 32% of the way there with close to $160 in donations at the time of this recording. So I'm actually going to give some shout outs on the show for everybody that donates. If I hit my stretch goal of $750, which is really high, uh, so I hope that you can help. I'm also planning on doing some live streaming the day of, and I'm going to be streaming NES titles uh, that we've covered in the first 10 or 11 episodes of Power Time to date. So more to come on that. Uh, If you want to donate and support, you can check out powertimepodcast.com slash extra life. And if you can't support, that's totally cool. If you can share it with someone who might be interested, that would be even more amazing and totally uh, free of cost to you. So let's go back, right? Let's go back to the dawn of a new era. So last episode, we mentioned that the Sega Genesis is in town. There's a new bad boy on the street. Uh, and his name is the Sega Genesis. So Nintendo's got some competition. We took a look at the Sears Wish Book. Uh, those uh, those spreads of the Genesis title, 16-bit, looking pretty good. Uh, and things are definitely going to start heating up. So we're going to flash back to the January-February 1990 issue of Nintendo Power. This is issue number 10. And let's take a look at the cover. So this cover features Batman. And the the interesting thing about this cover is it is the first cover to actually feature a celebrity. We have Jack Nicholson's likeness uh, as he portrayed the Joker in the film Batman, the 1989 film Batman. So we have on this cover uh, the Joker as played by Jack Nicholson, first and foremost, in the background, uh, hovering around the Nintendo Power logo. Uh, we have Batman with his cape spread out. Uh, getting ready to pounce. Uh, We have the price here, $3.50, still $4.50 in Canada. Uh, Batman, explosive special feature, and you don't want to miss Super Mario 3, Shadowgate, Double Dragon 2, 
And there's a double bonus with this issue. We have the World of Nintendo catalog and a 16-page Tetris tip book. So you may remember uh, back in back in the day, uh, Nintendo Power would package together uh, special bonuses, right? You would get that fold-out map in the issue, but you would also get these special mini mini issues like a 16-page Tetris tip book or a special hint book from Super Mario Brothers 2. Uh, so they were included here as well. Uh, we have the official Nintendo seal of quality. And of course, Nintendo Power is still the source for NES players straight from the pros. So digging into the table of contents for this issue, uh, we're going to get a little Batman. We're going to get a little Shadowgate. Uh, we're going to get more Willow. I feel like that's for the third week in the row. Uh, third week in a row, we're going to be talking about Willow, uh, Double Dragon 2, Super Spike Volleyball, Clash at Demon Head, and River City Ransom. We're also going to take a look at the making of Super Mario Brothers 3. This is the big one, and I'm really excited about this. Take a look at the making of one of the most eagerly awaited games ever. Probably uh, in my you know recollections of the 1990s, this was the, the most anticipated and the largest release for the NES. So I'm really excited to start covering it uh, in this particular issue. We're going to take, it a, take a look at a few previews as well. We have uh, Barai Fighter, Astyanax, and Dino Wars. And keep in mind that that is Dino Wars with a Z. That's right, Dino Wars with a Z. Mechanized dinosaurs battled out on your NES. That's on page 64. So listen, this is going to be a very, very exciting episode. I'm glad to have you here. And I want you now to close your eyes, unless, of course, you're driving or operating heavy machinery. But I want you to close your eyes. Imagine that you are the caped crusader. Imagine that you are strapping on your utility belt and swinging full force into Gotham City. madman has taken over gotham city and only one soul has the power the will and the means to stop him this is batman in the dark recesses above gotham city there lurks a mysterious figure a masked man hunter on a quest for vengeance hoodlums crooks and thieves call this creature batman with awesome agility and an arsenal of high-tech gadgets, he has the skill to take on the evil underworld. Elsewhere, a sinister shell of a man, deformed by a chemical immersion, designs the demise of the city. On Gotham's 200th anniversary, he plans to spread a paralyzing nerve gas, Smilex, and stop the citizens with a frozen smile. This Joker is an evil one. Batman has crossed paths with him before, and they are destined to meet again. So that description uh, that I just read, of course, is taken directly from the pages of Nintendo Power, the first feature, the feature on Batman, and it reflects the plot of the 1989 blockbuster, which of course was Tim Burton's uh, rendition of Batman, starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Uh, we get a glimpse here of stage 1-1 through stage 1-3. Of course, in true Nintendo Power fashion, we have maps of the streets of Gotham, and we have uh, a construction site level here as well, along with some tips to help you get through these levels, locations of where all the items and where all the enemies are. So Batman actually had a similar gameplay mechanic to Ninja Gaiden, 
and that was the wall jump. So you can leap over to, to a specific wall and jump again, and you could kind of jump back and forth between two walls. And that was very similar to Ninja Gaiden. And it was applauded. Uh, it wasn't like it was seen as a ripoff. Uh, critics definitely applauded that mechanic because it made the game feel very polished and fluid and fun to play. So after that, we find the bat that we find that Batman uh, breaks into Axis Chemical, uh, which is a new stage. Uh, we see a film strip of screenshots from a cutscene, along with more maps and tactics. So this continues for stage three as Batman gets closer and closer to Joker's lair. We just go through some of the levels and some of the game. Uh, there are also some mini teasers for what's to come in stage four and five. And then when you flip the page. Right when you flip the page over after the three or four pages that we just looked at, uh, we have Shadowgate. So that's it. So we took a look at stage one, two, and three in a matter of three or four or five pages, and then a little preview of stage four and five, and then Shadowgate. Interesting. So this might actually be one of the shortest featured cover stories to date. Uh, we are in issue 10, and I've been covering every issue and i'm just a little surprised to see that batman only received a total of six pages of coverage but i guess with super mario brothers 3 kind of gracing the cover of the next issue uh this is probably the best that they were going to get uh if they wanted to sell some magazines uh for the january february issue of course you know there's not as much appeal with shadowgate and you don't really want to showcase Willow, who has been in two issues already. They probably could have gotten away with putting Double Dragon 2 on the cover, uh, seeing that Double Dragon is about to get a six-page spread as well, so the same amount of coverage as Batman, uh, maybe River City Ransom, but that was also kind of mentioned in a previous issue, so I don't know. Nevertheless, uh, we are going to talk about Batman. Even if Nintendo Power doesn't want to talk about Batman, it was a fantastic game, so we are going to talk a little bit more about Batman. Uh, we're going to cover uh, just a little bit more music from Batman on the NES. We'll talk a bit, a bit about the development and some of the history of the game uh, and where you can find it today. So Batman for the NES was developed by Sunsoft, who previously published uh, Xenophobe, Fester's Quest, and Blaster Master, uh, three really fantastic titles as well. Sunsoft set out to create a game that really captured the essence of the film, captured the tone of the film, and while it didn't really match scene for scene, it does culminate with that final cathedral scene from the film uh, towards the end. Uh, it really does capture that that essence and that feeling. Uh, it's it's a bit more of a darker game uh, than some of the titles, the more colorful titles you'll find on the NES. Uh, but yes, it, it's a really, really fantastic playthrough. I absolutely recommend it. The soundtrack is great. Really top-notch for an NES game uh, in these early days. And the the graphics really do hold up nice, especially with you know these polished uh, cutscenes. Kind of showed the likeness of the actors and actresses from the movie. So honestly, I couldn't find too much on the history of this game, but there is a great Hardcore Gaming 101 article out there. Uh, I'm going to put that in the show, show notes at powertimepodcast.com slash 10 if you want to check that out. Uh, and I do have a nice story here from an article by video game historian extraordinaire Frank Sofaldi. 
And I'm just going to read this verbatim from the article and I'll link up the article too so that you can read the whole thing because it's a really great retrospective on uh, January of 1990, uh, which was a a great month for video games, uh, as was February. So Batman managed to miss the crucial 1989 holiday season due in no small part to licensing issues, both with Batman gatekeeper Warner Brothers and the individual actors that provided their likenesses in the game. The game's creation was occasionally hampered by Japanese developers unfamiliar with the Batman mythos. The Japanese developers would send builds with Batman fighting space monsters, American producer Jay Moon said. They weren't getting it. The game nearly got delayed even further because of a complaint from Batman actress Kim Basinger's agent. We were at the very end. It was probably late January and we were just trying to get the thing put to bed, said Moon. So I get this call from Basinger's agent. He says Basinger's lips don't look as big as they should be. She had just gotten some collagen work done. I was at my wits end. I just put him on hold for a second, thought about it, and said there's got to be a decision here. Look, I said, you got two choices. If she wants to be in the game, she can. If not, we're going to take her out completely. And that's it. This game has to go to production. We can't mess around with this anymore. He called back in five minutes and said, okay. Michael Keaton was great, though. Jack Nicholson didn't care either. Despite missing Christmas, Batman the video game went on to sell over 1 million units, securing its place among the best-selling games in the history of the system. So, of course, that was uh, written, taken from an article written by Frank Cifaldi. Uh, I'm going to link to that. It is at oneup.com, and it's part of the Retronauts flashback series. Uh, so this flashback was actually from February 1990, not January, uh, but both flashbacks are really awesome. So I'm going to link those up in the show notes, powertimepodcast.com slash 10. And really between Batman, Super Mario Brothers 3, and a few other titles that we're going to dig into over the next couple of weeks, Uh, that were released in 1990, Nintendo really kept a stranglehold on the U.S. console market this year. Despite the Sega Genesis being on the scene and kind of rearing its head, uh, Nintendo really, really held on strong. So we've got an an exciting couple of issues coming up. uh, 1990 will definitely prove to be one of Nintendo's uh, more, if not most, profitable year. I'll look that up and see see if I can back that up with actual facts. Uh, So that's going to do it for Batman. If you haven't played it and you want to do it legally, you can pick up a copy on eBay. It's it's going at around $10 to $15. Due to licensing, I don't believe it's available on any virtual console uh, legally to play anywhere else or otherwise. If you don't have an NES console, definitely check out some YouTube videos uh, and I'll post those on the show notes as well. So up next, we have Shadowgate, and we touched on this title a bit in the last episode. So Shadow, Shadowgate is a PC-style point-and-click adventure. Uh, so this is straight out of Wikipedia. You control the last of a great line of hero kings charged with the task of saving the world by defeating the warlock lord who is attempting, who is attempting to summon up the demon Bohemoth out of hell. You navigate through Castle Shadowgate from room to room solving puzzles collecting items, and using text commands. And this feature here, Nintendo Power, helps you solve some of those puzzles and guides you through your quest. And after that, we've got an incredible feature, something that should really get the power player salivating, especially back in 1990, a behind-the-scenes look at the making of Super Mario Bros. 3. So with the teasing of Mario 3 uh, during the film The Wizard, Uh, And with it kind of popping up in the Nintendo Play Choice 10 arcade machines, the excitement for this game was rising. It was at a fever pitch. So this and Sonic the Hedgehog 2's release in 1992 were really the first big video game releases that I personally can recall growing up. Prior to Sonic 2, there actually wasn't really the concept of a release day or a release date. Sonic 2 kind of led the charge with like picking a day uh, where where the game was going to be released and having it released uh, across the globe on that specific day. So in fact, you know, I found another awesome quote from a different Frank Cifaldi article. And uh, this is from a Toys R Us spokeswoman. So Every other call we get is about Nintendo and Super Mario Bros. 3. It's not in. 
We never know when we'll get it and we'll sell out as soon as it gets here. So that was a quote from an anonymous Toys R Us spokeswoman speaking to the Chicago Tribune. So that was the climate of release in, in January and February. It was waiting and waiting and waiting for Super Mario Brothers 3 to be, re- to be released. And all you could do was call. All you could do was call your local Toys R Us or your local, I guess, Babbage's uh, and, and just software, et cetera. Call them and ask them, is it in yet? Is it in yet? Is it in yet? And they would just tell you, no, 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 it's not in. And when it is, it'll be gone. But it's coming. It's coming. And we get a look here uh, in this making of preview uh, in Nintendo Power. So the staff from the uh, Nintendo of America office, I guess, who was in charge of Nintendo Power, uh, the editors, the writers, uh, a portion of the staff went straight to the source in Kyoto, Japan to learn more about this game. So in this feature, we learn about the Nintendo research and development teams, and they are responsible for the design and programming of all of the first-party Nintendo titles, with the exception of maybe Rare. I think Rare also lend a hand in some of the development of those games. Of course, you know, the man responsible for leading the development of Super Mario Bros. 3 was none other than Shigeru Miyamoto. And he lends his inside information here in this feature. And I learned quite a lot just by going back and reading this article. So we learn first a bit about the new power-ups designed for Mario, like the raccoon tail. Uh, But here's something I'm hearing for the first time. A concept that was rejected was having Mario power up as a centaur, half man, half horse. And I would totally love to see this concept Uh, come to fruition in some future Mario game. I was thinking about this because that would be both hilarious and amazing. So I think about the 3D Zelda titles where you ride Epona and just the fluidness of riding the horse in the Zelda titles. I could totally imagine some really fun game mechanics if you were controlling Mario as a centaur, a half man, half horse. Uh, So maybe uh, anyone from Nintendo, if you're listening to this podcast, I doubt you are. uh, Think about that. It could be interesting. So Miyamoto also reveals details about new enemies. Each of Bowser's children, of course, appear in this game, and they were all designed with a unique look and personality. Uh, That here in Super Mario Bros. 3 and also in future Mario titles like Super Mario World uh, really put its stamp on the game. You know, having these different worlds with different bosses, each of Bowser's children, having their own distinct look, having their own distinct moves and personality uh, was really, really important. Also, we learn about the debut of the Chain Chomper, the Chained Dog Enemy, uh, and that's discussed here as well. And Miyamoto also likes to talk about how some of his most creative ideas come together in the middle of a hot bath. And I can relate to that too, because some of my best ideas, in fact, maybe even the idea to start the Power Time podcast came from uh, me thinking in the shower. So some design drawings and diagrams are shown here. There are details about the character generator computer-aided design machine which is a computer uh, that develops that the developers use to create the graphics themselves. And there are some photos of the team, including uh, composer Koji Kondo sitting at a piano. So some cool behind-the-scenes things here. And after that, we have a full profile on Shigeru Miyamoto. And this is where you know some serious bombs begin to drop, casually begin to drop in this article. While discussing a typical day in the life, Nintendo Power casually mentions a few active projects in development from Miyamoto, namely Super Mario Bros. 4 and Zelda 3 for the Super Famicom. So this is the first time that the Super Famicom uh, was actually referenced in Nintendo Power. This is the first time that we're hearing about Mario Bros. 4 and Zelda 3. So here we are anticipating Mario Bros. 3 and they've just told us that we'll also be getting Super Mario Brothers 4 and a brand new console. And I think that's just amazing. You know, if you were a kid or a teenager and you were reading this for the first time, like knowing that the future of video games is so vast and things are just going to keep coming out and keep coming out and coming out, like that is just incredibly exciting. Uh, so getting these little bits, these little sneak previews was really, really cool. And there's actually another little nugget in here. Then they also write that he is working with Shigesato Itoi, 
another famous Japanese uh, copywriter and game developer uh, on an RPG set in modern times. And it's probably going to be available for the NES in 1991. So they slipped that in there. And I did a little bit of research just to confirm my suspicions. And this, of course, is what we now know to be Mother, the prequel to Earthbound. And we also know that this never made it to the NES, unfortunately, uh, back in 1991. So it gets teased here, but it never actually made it to the NES. It's available to play now. I believe it's called Earthbound Origins. It's a downloadable title, uh, but it never actually made it over here. So all in all, this is an awesome little feature to get you pumped for next week's episode, which is going to be a Super Mario 3 blowout. Uh, We're going to be featuring the game. We're going to be featuring more of the history of the game. Uh, But just to hear these behind-the-scenes features in Nintendo Power is really, really great. So there's another highlight here on Willow, and I feel like we've been talking about it for a few weeks, so I'm just going to keep moving. Super Spike Volleyball. Uh, We've got a Metroidvania-style game, Clash at Demon Head. We have Double Dragon 2 and River City Ransom. So most notable here is probably Double Dragon 2 and River City Ransom. These are two classics. Uh, The first, of course, is a sequel to the brawler Double Dragon, uh, the arcade titles. And the second is a spiritual sequel uh, to Renegade. Uh, Maybe it's an actual spiritual sequel. I don't know. I just call it that because it's from the same developer and features the same animation styles. Uh, But we're going to take a closer look at both of these games, starting, of course, with Double Dragon 2, The Revenge. So that was a track from Double Dragon 2 performed by The Advantage. Double Dragon 2 was developed by Technos uh, Japan for the NES. It's a loose take on the arcade version that was released in the previous year. So this game appeared on a billion consoles. It was on so many different consoles and each of them have their own tweaks and technical variations. Uh, I believe the NES is one of the more popular versions of the game along with the arcade version. And as far as gameplay goes, I remember it being much of the same uh, compared to Double Dragon 1. But in Double Dragon 2, you could actually play two players at the same time. So I don't remember that being a main difference between 1 and 2, but apparently it was. In 2, they actually introduced the ability to have a co-op mode. So we're going to take a look at another beat-em-up game, uh, River City Ransom. And to kick it off, here is Year 200X with their cover from the game. So River City Ransom was also developed by Technos Japan, and it's a beat-em-up game, much in the same style. 
Uh, but one of the cool features I remember from River City Ransom was the need to shop and purchase food, medicine, uh, CDs, and all different types of things in the various stores throughout the game. Uh, you also had to read books if you wanted to learn new techniques. So it was a very, very interesting game. Both games were totally fun brawlers, and if you haven't played them, it's worth checking them out. I know that River City Ransom is on the Wii and the 3DS Virtual Console, and there have been a couple of sequels that have been released in the past decade, so it's gotten a bit of a revival. Uh, most notably and most recently, uh, River City Tokyo Rumble was released last month on the 3DS, and I haven't played it yet, but I definitely want to check it out. I've heard great things, and it looks really good. There's a couple of Game Boy reviews. We have Boxel, Quirk, Golf, Solar Striker, and some previews uh, for Asmic World, Bugs Bunny, Nemesis, and Selection. All good stuff. Again, nice to see the Game Boy shown alongside the NES. Uh, we ha- now have two, uh, two runs of games to feature uh, within each issue of Nintendo Power. And soon, with the release of the Super NES, we will have three. All right, we are going to move into the next segment of the show, which, of course, is previews. But first, a quick thanks to a recent review from fellow podcaster Ernest Barbaric. So Ernest writes, Like revisionist history, but for consoles. These days, I'm starting to get a little slower on my headshot game, and I'm starting to have those back-in-my-day our controllers were wired, and we liked it that way moments. So I want to say thanks, Ernest, uh, and all of those who are listening I would also love to hear your feedback. So if you'd be so kind, please consider leaving a review at powertimepodcast.com slash iTunes. I would totally appreciate it. I'll read all of the reviews, good, bad, and different on the show. And when I run out of reviews and I don't have any to read, I will be sad. Uh, so let's not get to that point. Uh, definitely share your feedback. I love it. I'll reach out to you. I'll read it on the show. Give you a shout out. Thank you. We're going to keep things moving. And we're going to jump right into previews. So kicking off previews, this issue is none other than Super Mario Brothers 3. Because, of course, it's going to be featured as the main game next week. So save the magical mushroom worlds. That is the tagline. A new new chapter in the swashbuckling adventures of Mario Luigi begins soon. So it's all about what's new in this preview. We have new items, new kinds of blocks, new ways to move and attack, new mini games, a new world map, and so on. The new power-ups, we have Raccoon Mario, Fire Mario, Frog Mario, Tanuki Suit Mario. We even have Hammer Brothers Mario. So we get a glimpse of the graphics. We get a glimpse of these new items and moves. And I'm not going to go too crazy in this section uh, because we are going to be covering Mario 3 in great detail in the next episode and beyond. Uh, But yes, anticipation is through the roof. We need this game to drop. So let's just keep moving through episode 10. So up next, we have a game that I've never heard of, but it looks really cool. Burai Fighter uh, by Taxan. So if you ever play Burai Fighter, um, this is an interesting looking side-scrolling kind of sci-fi action shooter with eight directional firing. Uh, That was really stressed in this preview, uh, and I'm going to add this to my list of games to play. And if you played this and you loved it and I'm missing out, reach out to me at Yo Power Time on Twitter. Next, we have Astyanax by Jalico. This is another side-scrolling action-adventure game. And this I do remember. I do remember this game, and it's one of the more kind of high fantasy ilk type of types of games. I definitely remember it's 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 a sword slasher. Uh, definitely worth checking out. And after that, we have Dino Wars. And here that is spelled D-Y-N-O-W-A-R-Z, all one word. So Dino Wars with a Z. Uh, the Destruction of Spondylus. Rid the solar system of huge mechanical lizards. So this game was developed by Bandai. And I don't want to go nuts over this one because I'm going to hash up Dino Wars a little later in the That's So Retro segment. Uh, But I do not remember this game at all. I'm looking at the screenshots. It doesn't really look that good. It very well could be. I'm going to add this to my list of games. Maybe on on the Extra Life Game-A-Thon day, I'll play a little Dino Wars. uh, And if I hit that $750 goal, I'll I'll stream a little Dino Wars. So if you want to see me suffer through Dino Wars, uh, let me know. In video shorts this issue, we take a look at Archon. 
All Pro Basketball, Road Blasters, Genghis Khan, Cybernoid, Dig Dug 2, Championship Bowling, and Twin Cobra. Packwatch, okay, so Packwatch is absolutely on fire, this issue. There are so many good games in Packwatch. We have Super C, and I'm going to read this verbatim. Contrary to speculation, there will be a NES sequel to everyone's favorite combat action game from Konami. Hence, the one with the Contra virtual title. So, some nice wordplay there from the writers of Nintendo Power. I actually just learned this, but Contra was indeed controversial because some stores threatened not to carry it because of the violence and because the title appeared to refer to Nicaraguan rebel fighters. So for political purposes, they didn't want to carry the game. There's also the Wrath of the Black mantra, MTV's remote control, NARC, Snake Rattle and Roll, The Adventures of Lolo 2, and Wall Street Kid. So Wall Street Kid is an absolute cult classic where you can invest in the stock market. And what kid in 1990 didn't want to invest in the stock market back in that day? So very, very interesting game. I hope that we cover a little bit more of it in the future. Some gossip galore titles include Mad Max, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, Snake's Revenge, the sequel to Metal Gear, and Mission Impossible, along with Rocket Ranger and NES Play Action Football, which is reported here uh, to have received programming delays. So remember, we covered NES Play Action Football uh, in one of the previous episodes, and it was covered in a previous issue pretty heavily, uh, but they didn't make it in time for the NFL season, and they had to get pushed back because of programming delays. So we know it with Zelda 2. We know it with Batman, Mario. Games get delayed. It happens. So we're going to move on now into the next segment, which is That's So Retro. And this is the segment where I just pick up on little things that feel absolutely 90s and just totally bring me back to kind of the craziness, uh, the pastel colors, the hey dudeness of the 1990s. And the first thing I saw was the description for the aforementioned title, Dino Wars. So I'm going to read this verbatim. You know, and it's long. I apologize, but it's just absolutely crazy that a game like this got greenlit. Something was terribly wrong in the distant man made spondylus solar system. One by one, the planet's central life support computers had been infected with a life threatening virus, while the planet's surfaces had been overrun with computerized dinosaurs known as robosaurs. Under attack in his laboratory on Alpha Planet, Professor Proteus, the mastermind of the spondylus system, and the founder of the Robosaur Project suddenly realized that his deadly sabotage could only be the work of his former partner, the deranged Dr. Brainius. Years earlier, the doctor had fled Alpha Planet after Professor Proteus had exposed him for performing forbidden robotic experiments on human subjects. At last, he has returned to seek his revenge using the professor's own creations. But little did he realize that Proteus had been hard at work for the past few years perfecting the ultimate Robosaur, Cyberosaurus. There was only one hope to save the Spondylus system. So this, of course, is the description for Dino Wars. Again, the game still does not look good, but I just love how delightfully cheesy this description is. Up next on That's So Retro, uh, every single week, uh, they feature some of the gameplay counselors. And the gameplay counselors are the Nintendo counselors that answer the phone when you call into the Nintendo hotline looking for tips and tricks and advice for how to beat certain parts of the game. So I just want to uh, feature two of the counselors that were in this particular issue. And again, this is every single issue. I usually glance over these, but I happen to read a little bit more about Derek Whipple. So Derek Whipple became a game counselor in December 1988. I'm sorry, I can't even keep a straight face. His hobbies include camping, computers, play-by-mail games. His highest game score was he finished Nobunaga's Ambition. And his favorite NES game is Nobunaga's Ambition. And I wish you could see the picture of Derek Whipple because it is fantastic. 
but not as great as the picture of Jeff Hazard. So Jeff Hazard became a game counselor in January of 1989. So he's about to celebrate his one-year anniversary of being a game counselor. His hobbies include skiing, dirt bikes, drawing, and weightlifting. His highest game score was finishing Dragon Power, and his favorite NES game was Amagon. So I just love Derek Whipple and Jeff Hazard. Uh, These two are just fantastic. And I'm going to start featuring the game counselors a little bit more just because of how great they are. I love hearing about their hobbies outside of playing Nintendo for a living, which I'll keep in mind, they did this. They played Nintendo for a living. This was their job. Uh, So yes, game counselors, we're going to keep that going. Also retro Nintendo Power teases their local NES repair service uh, is coming soon. So how many of you remember, how many of you had these the little NES repair sticker on your control deck. So later on when Dr. Mario is a character, I remember the sticker had Dr. Mario. Uh, in the early days, I think it was just Mario with a wrench. Uh, but I know I sure did. I think I've gotten my my system repaired once or twice. There was this little nook in Northeast Philly and a little strip in Northeast Philly that we took ours to. And I can't recall if it was a dedicated repair shop for Nintendo or something that was already established like an electronics store. Uh, and it, they just happened to be certified to repair Nintendos. And they had a little sign in the window. I can't recall. Uh, and I actually kind of remember in the mid to late 2000s uh, seeing another shop like this that had kind of the certified Nintendo sticker still in the window. Um, so, yeah, this was an interesting program. And I kind of want to dig deep and learn more about it. Uh, this month's celebrity profile, Super Retro, it is Steven First. Uh, but you know him best as Flounder from Animal House. Uh, So I don't know why Flounder from Animal House is featured here, but he is. Uh, Interesting read if you want to learn about how him and his kids play Nintendo together. And finally, the grand prize for the Players Poll Contest, uh, this particular issue is an exclusive showing of the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Do you remember that movie? I certainly do. Uh, That was the first film that I saw Uh, in theaters, uh, just me and my dad. I remember he took me to see that movie. I think I saw The Little Mermaid uh, when I was really, really young with my whole family. But I remember that was the first movie that I intentionally wanted to go see. And I was so, 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 uh, so, so pumped because my dad took me to go see it. So we're going to move into the next segment. The next segment, of course, is Are We Having Fun Yet? And this segment is where I just pick out a bunch of fun things that I found throughout the issue, things that didn't fit in elsewhere but were worth sharing. The first is from Mailbox, uh, where readers of Nintendo Power can send in letters. And this letter, I'll read it verbatim, from Jim Jackman, St. Clair Shores, Minnesota. I can't help but notice something interesting about Mario. Over the past couple of years, his nose has dramatically changed shape. It used to be sharp and droopy in Donkey Kong, but now in Super Mario Bros. 2, it is more rounded and somewhat elevated. Has Mario, like many other successful superstar stars, had his nose fixed to improve his appearance? And the response here is pretty great. As far as we know, Jim, Mario has not undergone cosmetic surgery. Many famous characters do undergo gradual changes as they get, quote, older, unquote. For example, compare early drawings of Disney's Mickey Mouse with today's version. So this is just absolutely ridiculous. And I'm convinced that a lot of these letters were were fictional, were made up, especially the ones that target older gamers and demographics uh, that Nintendo was specifically trying to go after. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I'm going to try to verify that at some point too. Uh, the truthness, the truthiness, the truthfulness of these letters that were being written to Nintendo Power and featured in Mailbox. The uh, Super Famicom was also mentioned in Mailbox, which was rumored in a competing magazine. So this is interesting. Uh, A competing magazine actually reported the console, uh, and Nintendo specifically said uh, in this issue that they will report it uh, when when they're ready, basically. Uh, But they didn't want to report anything uh, that was based on rumor uh, and they already have a bunch of awesome titles to to discuss between now and then. Howard Nestor, uh, the infamous comic this month, is a riff on Dragon Quest. In NES Journal, Nintendo Power Chronicles, A Trip to Nintendo Headquarters, 
uh, following the winners of the July-August 1989 Players Poll Contest. So every issue they have this contest where the grand prize is usually a trip of some sort, and here they actually profile the trip. Uh, so the winners had a chance to see Seattle, meet Howard Phillips, and play unreleased games like Super Mario Brothers 3, which is pretty awesome. And the other big thing in this issue, we touched on this last week, uh, is the Nintendo World Championships, or NWC. This is promising to be just a huge spectacle uh, filled with multiple events. The Power Walk was one of the events at the NWC, and this is almost like a mini trade show where players could walk uh, walk down basically a trade show hall and visit developer or publisher booths and see all the hot titles that are out and preview unreleased games. The NWC Exhibition Game Tip Stage was a chance to meet Nintendo gaming experts and kind of have a Q&A, ask questions, learn more about strategies to beat certain titles. And finally, a competition area uh, was going to let players compete in top games. And I don't know if you had to register beforehand or if you just showed up and got on the list, uh, but that felt like the appeal there. It, it felt to me like an actual live version of The Wizard. So you were going to be able to show up and compete just like the characters in The Wizard did. Uh, and this is said to be coming to 30 major U.S. cities, and the ones listed here include Dallas, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Philadelphia, Indianapolis, and Boston. And each city shows three days, three dates. Uh, so this must have been a multi- multi-day event, um, or just you went for one day and uh, they were just in town for three days, I guess to, just to get their money's worth. So that's going to wrap up today's episode, but we cannot leave without first discussing the top 10. And these are the top 10 games as reported in the top 30 games from Nintendo Power issue number 10. So up at number one, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. At number two, we have Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. At number three, we have Super Mario Brothers 2. At number four, we have Ninja Gaiden. At number five, we have Dragon Warrior. At number six, we have Mega Man 2. At number seven, we have The Legend of Zelda. Eight, Bionic Commando. At number nine, we have Faxanadu. And at number 10, we have one of my favorites, Blaster Master. So here's a fun one. Nobunaga's Ambition was actually number five in the Game Counselor's picks, uh, but it appears nowhere in the top 30 for the players and retailers. So we've been talking about Nobunaga's as being kind of a cultish classic, uh, obviously here popular amongst the game counselors. But yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool top 10. We have Ninja Turtles at number one. Uh, I'm curious to see how long they stay up there. They haven't really been in there uh, yet, I don't believe. So this will be an interesting top 10 to watch, especially as Super Mario Brothers 3 gets its release. Up next week... Uh, we're going to be covering the March-April issue of Nintendo Power. And that, of course, is going to feature Super Mario Bros. 3. And this is going to be the big one. Probably the biggest release for the NES of all time. Uh, there's an exclusive deluxe game pack directory featured in, in this issue. We have the 1989 Nestor Awards. Uh, so we did the 1988 Awards, and that was a lot of fun. So I'm excited for that. And A Boy and His Blob will be featured in the next episode. As always, my gratitude to the artists featured in today's episode. All of the bands and artists have been super supportive. They've all granted their permission to use their tracks. Uh, So let's do our part and support them if we can. Uh, First, we heard Azure Flux with Eat My Chips, which is the unofficial theme to the Power Time podcast. After that, we heard Batman from The Advantage. Uh, We heard another track from Batman from Wee Guy. We heard a track from Double Dragon from The Advantage as well. And we heard a River City Ransom theme from the year 200X. So check out these artists and to find out more about them, you can go to powertimepodcast.com slash 10. In the show notes for every episode, I link up to where you can find more of their music and how you can support them. Uh, also, I'll be I'll be including a little bit more uh, in the show notes that I like to call Power Time DLC. Uh, so these will be videos of gameplay, uh, videos of other music covers, commercials, anything that I can find uh, related to the featured games. I drop in there.
And that's going to do it for episode 10. But the fun doesn't stop here. You can head on over to powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked to join our private Facebook group. And there you will be greeted by a like-minded group of retro video game fans, retro Nintendo fans, where you can talk shop any day, all day. With the release of the Nintendo Switch last Thursday, there's going to be a lot of interesting conversations happening, a lot of news to be shared, uh, and it's going to be a fun place to be. And be sure to tune in to the next episode because we are going to be doing it. We're going to be tackling that behemoth, Super Mario Brothers 3, and it's going to be a fun one. Thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, for your time, attention, and participation. And until next time, Power Players, keep on playing with power. <laughs>